Hi, I'm Cassie Hutton, a mom who sees you, a mom who wants to support you, and a mom who wants to encourage you to do what works best for you, no matter how unusual your parenting style might be. Visit CassieHutton.com to learn more. You can also order the book, Finding Freedom, A Personal Exodus from Deception to Identity on Amazon. And something new I've written this year is a made whole inner healing study. It's not available on any book platform. I offer classes to go along with the curriculum at times throughout the year. So reach out to me on Facebook or email me at CassieHutton27 at gmail.com for more information. If you felt stuck and can't figure out how to move forward from past hurts, traumas, lies, and old belief systems, then this class is for you, especially if you're feeling stuck in your parenting. Everyone needs to go through inner healing at some point in their journey. Leaders in the church are especially sure to need to go through inner healing at some point. You deserve freedom and victory so you can help the next person find theirs. Hello, hello. Welcome to Barefoot Parenting. I am Cassie Hutton. Today I'm here with Jasmine Allen and she is going to share her story with us. She's going to share what she does. She is a, a doula, so she helps bring babies into this world. She helps mamas who are just ready to bring their babies in in a peaceful way and in the way that they want to. She has done so many things. We've talked on the phone already. I'm just amazed at how all the things that God has done in her life and how she has allowed him to just use her in these ways. Her work as a fertility and birth doula has been enrooted in her from early childhood and sculpted by trials that birthed compassionate ways for her to care for couples struggling to conceive and mamas journeying through pregnancy. Jasmine highlights the presence of God in the process of a mama's pregnancy and how her body is in intricately designed to nurture life. She supports them in feeling knowledgeable and competent physically, spiritually, and emotionally to empower them in making informed decisions. As a fertility infertility doula, Jasmine co-joins with couples seeking to overcome infertility. She provides them with support during their decision-making process to empower them in making the best informed choices. She also supports them in processing their experiences, emotions, outcomes of procedures, appointments, and test results. The trying to conceive journey is an unpredictable and highly emotional one, often compounded by grief. Having a knowledgeable and compassionate fertility support professional can help the couple to feel seen and make this process a little more bearable. As a certified breastfeeding specialist, Jasmine provides a haven for parents to discuss frustrations and concerns around lactation and breastfeeding by offering non-judgmental support as she partners with them to navigate challenges. Food is a healing source of nourishment, and a positive breastfeeding experience provides one of the most nutritious first foods for a child while promoting co connectedness. You can find out more um, about Jasmine or connect with her by visiting her website, EdensLullaby.com. So welcome to the show, Jasmine. If you want to elaborate on any of that, you are welcome to. I know you are going to share your fertility story with us and all of that. So welcome. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here and just share about what I do, the work that I do, that God had put in my heart at such a young age. Um, I often joke that I knew I wanted to do birth work when I was five. Um, <laughs> I used to play house all the time as kids typically do, little girls typically do. And I just remember one day I was playing with my younger sister and we had these little like cabbage patch dolls and I was like, I want to help mommies have babies. And that was like back when you think babies come out of your belly button, right? <laughs> <laughs> and 
I just sort of pursued working with kids and children since a young age. And I didn't, back then, I only thought the way to help moms have babies was becoming an OB, right? That's what we see. That's all what we know. I hadn't even heard of midwife, um, not until actually my 20s. And so that's sort of my, my journey is untraditional into birth work, but I have always worked with children. Um, and some capacity and parents and moms predominantly in my work. So I love that, what you said, even as a young girl, remembering that, you know, we think babies come out of the belly. And, you know, I think my (laughs) eight, nine-year-olds still believe that. They're not really sure. They're very curious. They're like, (laughs) how did she come out? There's obviously no cut on your tummy. There's no, you know, like, what's the belly button there for? You know, it's like all these questions and things, whenever um, my fourth one was born, uh, she's only two months. And so whenever she was born, they came in the room afterwards and the placenta was lying there in the, you know, bowl. And my eight-year-old was like, what is that? You know, and the umbilical cord, (laughs) I'm trying to remember if it was still, it must not have been connected to Harper. We must have cut the umbilical cord at this point, because it was like lying off over to the side, I remember. And, you know, that like, they, they're still not even like making the connection that the belly button was connected, you know, to, to the, to the placenta, you know, like the, the umbilical cord, right. the belly button and all these things. So it's just so, it's so interesting how we finally evolve into that understanding, I guess. <laughs> yes. And the fascination of childbirth. <laughs> exactly. So how many years did it take for you? You, you shared with me uh, beforehand that you finally really heard the Lord say, no, I want you to be a doula. You had already gotten your doctorate um, and helped mamas through all kinds of trauma and yes. healing and all kinds of things. And then suddenly the Lord really spoke to your heart. Yes. So I had, like I said, my work has primarily been with young children and um, it was about midway through my doctorate program. So right after I had got my master's, I just, I kept feeling this tug that I needed to stop. And I was like, but no, then everybody's going to be disappointed in me. I'm going to be the first doctor in my family. And I love the work that I do, but I still kept feeling this tug. And but I didn't quit because I was scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I continued on my journey and got my doctorate degree. And it was during, um, I had to move literally from the West Coast to the East Coast for my mm-hmm. doctorate program. And it was the hugest blessing because it was the time that I was away from everybody I had ever known and anything I had ever known. And that was like what I call my wilderness experience, but that was yeah. where I heard God mm-hmm. the most Um, And he was molding me, reshaping me. And it was during my time at internship. um, I worked at an infant and early childhood mental health clinic. And Adula came to share about her work during one of our like in-service meetings. And I'm sitting on the red couch and I'm listening to her share her story and what she does. And it was like, hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I could feel it throughout my Mm. entire body. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying, that is what you're supposed to be doing. And I just sort of like, you know, looking around at myself, like, did I just hear that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was like, 
okay, but I still, I needed to finish my internship. And then I still was like, okay, God, do I, don't I, do I, I did all this work, like eight years of schooling. Right. And so then I went on to do my postdoc fellowship in infant and early childhood mental health and working with pregnant women. And I still kept filling the tug, like, Jazz, you need to do birth work. Birth work is your calling. And I kept getting mothers and pregnant mothers and women who had just had traumatic births. And I just gravitated to that. And I wanted to be there in the beginning. And so one day when I knew I could not delay it anymore, I told my supervisor that I was going to be leaving. And I talked with my husband and we prayed and he was just like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And you've known for a long time, you just sort of were scared to do it. And I took the step and God has just been working ever since. That's amazing. What you shared about how the, like the traumatic birth experiences and how the women gravitated towards you. I remember the first time, and in fact, I was talking to her just this morning, but the first time after I had had my home birth, I don't remember if I had had two home births at that point or just the, just the one, I think I had had both of my sons. And so having had two home births at that point and knowing what birth is like, knowing, you know, the truth from the lies and -hmm. just the joy that having that amazing birth experience brought me, there was a friend, actually a cousin and, and, um, his girlfriend at the time ended up delivering her baby three weeks early by cesarean. And I just remember the feeling of just overwhelming grief for this mama, overwhelming grief. And I mean, I couldn't sleep. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Like, why am I so torn over her having a C-section? You know, like, Mm -hmm. could I have done something to reach out to her or could I have, you know, and I recognize now honestly, only probably since I've started this birth series that, that, that was just God's way of like bringing intercession into my life where I am just like Mm. trying to help carry the burden for my fellow, you know, sister who clearly, you know, no one wants to have, I mean, very, I'm not going to say no one, very few people are like, schedule me a C-section. I do know a couple that they're, they're like, no way, schedule me a C-section, cut this baby out of me. I don't want it delivered any <laughs> other way. But for the most yes. part, I would say 98% of women are want a vaginal birth. And then 95% of women want a natural birth, you know, like the majority of us do. And yes. that overwhelming feeling of grief and just me and my mind going like, what is she going through? Is she alone in this? Does anyone understand her? Mm-hmm. Just, 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 I just, I know now that that's intercession for me. Yes. I love that. I think that's so beautiful that you said intercession came out of that because it's, yeah. I read something once that said the things that we are burdened with are often the places that God is calling us to. Yeah, that's so good. And so for you, like that's, interceding for those and you're right like for some women that's what they want they know they want a c-section and they are perfectly happy with that but for a lot of women when they have when that happens especially if it's unplanned it's discouraging right there's grief that comes along with that because they have to grieve 
the birth that they thought they were going to have, that they imagined, that they had dreamed of. And so I do think intercession is an important part. And like you, I pray for my clients um, and I encourage them if they have something that they need me to pray for, shoot me a text, schedule a call. We can pray together um, or I can pray for you because I think that as believers, that is such an intricate part of birth is making sure that God is with you in that process. And as a birth support person, me praying for my clients and being there spiritually. And I think because the enemy, right, there's already enmity between the woman's seed and Satan, we have to go to warfare that much more in childbirth for these mamas. Exactly. Definitely. Because everything's just trying to be stolen. Whether, whether even if she's having a healthy pregnancy, it's her hormones, it's her mind, Mm -hmm. it's her relationship, it's the people around her who are, and it may even be that everything inside the home is going good, but maybe it's outwardly like other people, you know, we, we fear man a lot of times, exactly what you said about, you know, going through with your doctorate, but wait a second, like, I'm the first one to receive this. What are they going to think? You know? Yeah. Yes. And letting go. And that is a journey through letting go of my last position and starting my own business, something I'd never done before. And yeah. it did. It was a journey of getting rid of the fear of man, needing people's approval. Right. And even as a pregnant person, right. Or a person going through fertility, like, what do you believe? What are you standing on? And it doesn't matter what others think. It doesn't matter if you sound crazy is doing yeah. what the Lord calls you to do. Because he all—he often doesn't call us to do the ordinary, right? He just yeah. calls us to do the supernatural. Yes, the word says we're supposed to be a peculiar people. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> That's so good. So Jasmine, tell us a little bit about your fertility journey and where you're at with that right now. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, common lies that women believe in the birth world and then how trauma can affect childbirth and ways that we can help that. So we're going to start with that. You share with us your journey. Sure. Um, So actually the fertility support part of my doula business was birthed out of my fertility journey. Um, So me and my husband, we have been married for 10 years this year. Um, praise oh, God. So Our anniversary <laughs> is next Friday. A week really? From today. Yes. And we, it'll congrats. Be yeah. Congrats to y'all too. When's your anniversary? Thank you. July 14th. Okay. So we awesome. just had it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we have been trying for all of these years, actually. Yeah. Um, and it was... At first, I was diagnosed with PCOS um, in 2013, and I had known that I had PCOS. Um, but and tell I us just, what that is, because I no don't doctors know would is. take me seriously. Oh, oh. polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. Um, and so, no doctor would take me seriously because I wasn't trying to conceive, right? And then mm. it wasn't until after I got married and we were trying that mm. I got the official diagnosis. So I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that polycystic ovarian sy- syndrome, PCOS, is sort of like a spectrum disorder, I was more on the not as severe as some women are. Like I didn't have cysts on my ovaries and things like things problems with my uterus, things like that. So um, I was grateful to God, but we weren't conceiving. And it wasn't until about 
I want to say maybe six, seven months into our marriage that we decided that my husband would be tested as well because, mm-hmm. you know, we have a tendency to think that only women yeah. have fertility issues, but it's also men. So we just had my husband do it on a whim. We're like, just go for it. You're going to be fine, but just do it. And it turns out that he was not okay. Wow. Um, he had a diagnosis called azoospermia, which okay. is zero sperm. And so that was devastating. And I remember the doctor just, I was shocked. We were just sitting in his office trying to, you know, grasp ourselves. And he was, I started to cry because at first I thought we were waiting for him to sort of say, just kidding, Um, because I had never heard of this. And when I started crying, the doctor was just like, oh, don't cry. It's not that bad. And I was like, taken aback by, what do you mean? You just told me we would never have kids. Of course, uh, I'm taken aback. And so I just remember running out of the office and leaving my husband and just like crying hysterically. And I called my sister and we're both crying. And I just, I was so lost in that time. And I didn't feel like I had, I went to church, but who could I talk to? And I didn't, you know, it's not really talked about in the church. And I felt alone and I felt isolated and I'd go through the motions at church and pretend to be okay and then fall apart when I got home. And so fast forward to, the, we had another test done just to be sure uh, with my husband and the doctor said yes. And they did genetic testing and they, they said that because there was no genetic issues with him, which we thank God. And we were like, okay, God, that means there's nothing genetically wrong with him. We're going to get pregnant through IVF. And they were like, there's a 50 chance that they could do a testicular biopsy, which means that they take tissue from the testicles and find sperm and then they would do IVF that way. And so we were like gung-ho in faith. And um, in 2020, we decided to pursue the biopsy. And um, basically, long story short, they found nothing, even the biopsy. So that was our last option. And we were devastated because we were like, yeah. we had fasted, we had prayed, we, you know, did all the things that we knew to do. And we were like, God, why didn't you show up for us? Yeah. And we were expecting a miracle. Um, I will say through a time that was meant to destroy me or mm-hmm. and us, it brought us closer to each mm-hmm. other and to God. And we were very intentional about staying connected to each other. And it was... Maybe two years later, as my business was developing, I just kept thinking back to all those years, because by now it was like year seven, year eight. And I'm like, you know, God, I wish I had had this support. I wish I had known this. I wish I would have done this differently. And then I was like, the church needs to speak up more. There needs to be more resources. There needs to be more support. And then he was like, you be that support. You're burdened for it. You be it. And so that's sort of how the fertility side of my business came to be. And it also meant letting go of shame, Mm -hmm. letting go of guilt and sort of coming out of hiding to let others know, like, you're not alone and I'm here to support you through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, I am curious. I guess I want to know when your husband found that out about himself. What was his reaction? It was hard in the beginning. I think he's an internalizer. So it was a lot of 
I think, internal guilt and shame because mm. he's known that I wanted to be a mom. Like, yeah. on top of being a five-year-old who knew that she wanted to help moms have babies, at five, I was like, I can't wait to grow up so I can have babies. Yeah. <laughs> How I, so he's known I want to be a mother. So I think he carried a lot of that. And he was very silent for a long time about it. Like, mm. And that became sort of a challenging part in our marriage. It wasn't the fact that we were struggling. It was the fact that he wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. And so he wouldn't even, for a long time, he wouldn't tell his family, his yeah. friends, like nobody knew. And so everybody would like, I was getting all the advice and the try this and try that. And mm. meanwhile, it was him who needed the additional support. And, um, so that was really hard. And then it wasn't until 2020 when he did that testicular biopsy that I saw him break down. Like mm. I had gone to go get his medication for the pain relief and um, he had gotten the call while I was gone. And so he called oh. me and he was like, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, okay. Cause we weren't expecting results same day. And oh. he was like, they found nothing. And he broke down like weeping and I had never seen my husband do that and so in that moment I was really tried to be really strong for him and keep yeah. myself together so he could break and yeah. as hard as it was to see that it was needed it was right. necessary for him to feel I think at that point it had been eight years building up yeah. and to feel it and he's now able to talk about it even now mm -hmm. he's like okay with me sharing our story, yeah. the full story, which yeah. I think is all glory to God because God is the one who emboldened him and worked on his heart. And so other men can know that there's other men out there too that struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, exactly. And men are just a little bit more that way. Not every man is, but they just do internalize stuff more. They um, aren't yes. as much of a emotional they're not as emotional as we are and of course you know if they come from a masculine you know background or think yes that you know it's not masculine to share your feelings and let it all out then how much more are they going to internalize it you know just because of that mindset so that's uh it is beautiful um I'm sorry that y'all have had to go through this um I know Thank that it's you. definitely made your faith walks stronger, but it doesn't make life easier. Absolutely. No, it, it's hard. There are moments where there, you know, it hits because um, yeah. it's been 10 years of waiting, but I will say that it, I'm thankful for it. Like I've gotten, I've gone through the phase of the self-pity, being yeah. angry at God and being mm -hmm. okay with being mad because he can handle my anger. And yeah. it was like, it's no use of pretending you're not upset. And yeah. so being angry with him to being incredibly grateful, because of course, if I had to choose, I would not have chose this journey for yeah. myself. But I've got to see God do some miraculous things. Like during a fast, he instantly healed my cycles and regulated them and without wow. medication, without anything. And I think I was three days into a fast, a week long fast. And mm. literally, I had not had a cycle for months. And wow. I just started spotting right there. And I was like, thank you, God. And I've been regular ever since. And Amazing. I I know that God is moving. So we're believing God for the miraculous yeah. for my husband. But yeah. I say that I'm grateful because I would wonder 
what kind of parent I would have been if I hadn't got the healing that I needed, like emotionally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, physically, but also I know God in a deeper way now. We know God in a deeper way. We know him as healer. We know him as provider. We know him as a miracle worker. And it's not just because we read it, it's because we've experienced it. And if I, I often say, if I've gone through this to help bring even just one person through it, then it was worth it because it's hard, but I wouldn't know if I hadn't gone through it. So in that sense, it's a blessing because I have a deeper, richer relationship with the Lord and a deeper understanding of myself that I don't think I would have had had I not gone through this. And I know what it's like to press through and have mm-hmm. spiritual grit, so to speak. Mm. Yes, when things don't word. go how you want to win, you don't get the miracle right away. And how to keep pressing through, keep saying yes, and keep doing what he's called you to do. That's how I can still serve moms, even though I don't have children yet. It's yeah. because of all that God has brought me through. I love that. And I feel like you're supposed to speak to someone who is going to be listening to this podcast, who needs that hope because you've been through this journey and come out on the other side and you, and, and you can say that I'm grateful for it. And that there's a mama or mamas who are going to be listening to this and they're like, no, I'm in the thick of it. I can't even begin to fathom how I could ever be thankful for this. They're in that anger stage. They're in that, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to give up stage and I don't want to do this anymore. So can you speak some hope to those mamas who are in the midst of it right now? Absolutely. I can say, allow yourself to feel. First and foremost, don't sugarcoat. Don't say the PC Christian answers. Find someone who you feel safe with and be raw. Even with the Lord, be raw. I mean, there are moments where I was like almost yelling and not that I encourage yelling at God, but like I had to realize he already knew the anger that was in my heart and he knew the pain I was feeling so he could handle my emotions. He's not scared of them. And so to be as raw and authentic with God as possible and to allow yourself to process and feel those emotions, because if you stuff them down, it's only it's going to spill out somewhere. Um, And then as you continue to do that, continue to seek the Lord, even when you don't feel like it, even when it doesn't seem fair. You just got one more invite to a baby shower, one more pregnancy announcement and still continue to seek him because that's denying your flesh because your flesh wants to be mad. Your flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. Your flesh will want to have a pity party. And I've done all of those things and they were not helpful. Struggled with being depressed about it, but allow yourself to continue to saturate yourself in his word. And he will miraculously begin to shift your heart and shift your hope and to help you see the beauty from the ashes in this and like I said, I, we don't have our miracle babies yet, but we're still believing God. And I can say that as somebody who's lived through those dark nights, those despairing times, that God will change if you allow him to, if you continue to walk in relationship with him. I mean, you get in, upset with your spouse, right? <laughs> but you still yeah. stay in relationship with him. You can be upset with God. I'm not saying that he's to blame because he's not, but he can handle it and he can show you and he can reveal things about your journey to you. And like I said, something beautiful will come out of it because I've met so many people because of what we've gone through 
and been able to talk with them. So there is hope. There is less crying on the other side of it. There is the ability to see pregnant people and not break down. And there is hope. It's just continuing to press through. And this is where your spiritual grit will develop. Doesn't yeah. feel good. It's like basic training. Yeah. But you will come out like a warrior on the other side of it and an intercessor. Yeah. And you'll know God in a deeply intimate way than you've ever have. And it you will be able to look back and say it was worth it. And I can say that, although we haven't struggled with infertility, but, you know, we all have our own journey. And, mm-hmm. man, I could talk about this subject, too, for hours of just, man, I just remember being in the midst, midst of, like, <laughs> someone asking me, like, uh, kind of, I guess, what that trigger would be. Let's just call it a trigger. It doesn't really matter what the situation is, you know, like, right. whenever, like you're talking about when you see a pregnant woman, or if you are invited to that next baby shower, you see that next pregnancy announcement, like those are the triggers, right? Because that's your Absolutely. hurtful place. That's your wound. And I remember someone saying something to me about like, you know, can you, what are you going to do when you see that person? And it was like, I couldn't even fathom looking at, you know, that was my hurt was from a person mm-hmm. or people. And, um, I mean, I just remember being like, no way. I can't even imagine it at this point. I couldn't even get the words out when that, when my counselor asked me, you know, that question, I I couldn't even get the words out. I couldn't even look at my counselor for asking me those questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but now I'm on the other side of it and I'm like, thank God I didn't give up. (laughs) Thank God that, you know, I trusted the Lord when he sent people my way and didn't just shun, shun the ones that I knew God was sending to help me. Um, cause I did feel like giving up. I did feel like all hope was lost. I felt like a a horrible Christian. I felt like I didn't have the faith. Yes. Why did this happen? I don't understand. I did all the things. I did the yes. fasting. I did the praying. I did the reading. I did the going to church. You know, I trusted mm-hmm. you, God. And now you're saying no. And now you're doing this. And and now no one understands because we've had to make this decision, yes. you know, and all the things. Um, but man, on the other side of it, there is true healing. There is yes. greater discernment. Um, there is absolutely a spiritual muscle that was never there before. Yes. It's like working out. Like you said, spiritual muscles, right? You've yeah. got to go through that pain, the soreness, all of that to get what they call gains, right? Muscle gains, same yeah. spiritually. And it's like, I got to a point where for us, it was like, we could have one of two options, be miserable for the rest of our lives or go through it, hurt and have the Lord heal us. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're not going to experience hurt. And one thing that God helped me to realize through it all, too, was he gave us everything when he gave us Jesus. So he doesn't owe me anything. Anything yeah. he gives me is out of his goodness. So if he gives us a child, it's because of his goodness, not because he owes me a child. Yeah. And so when I looked at it from that perspective and it's like, OK, I get to spend eternity with him. Like yeah. that helped shift my pity party and sort of entitlement and idolizing having a baby. Mm-hmm. I had to lay yes, down so good. that yeah. idolatry. Yes, that's so and good. That was hard. <laughs> yes. I share this example, a friend of mine, not that she has struggled with infertility, but she doesn't have children yet. And, you know, she's waiting on the promise of her husband and, and all of those things. And um, man, I remember her saying mm-hmm. like she had idolized the promise Like the promise had become like, God, you've given me this promise, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's fighting for this promise. And then it was like, 
wow, yes. I got to lay the promise down because she was now striving for the promise, right? And so if she would have yes. gotten the promise, it would have been in her own works and God wouldn't have gotten the glory. And she was like, I have to lay the promise down. I've idolized it. Absolutely. So good. I'm so glad you said that. And there's such wisdom in that. Oh, yes. Thank you for sharing that. I absolutely agree. It's it's hard not to when you want something so badly. But yeah. when you think about it in reality, we have everything when we have Jesus. So yes. anything else that we pursue in our own might, like you said, becomes an idol. And yeah. it's hard when you come to that realization that you've idolized something and now you have to lay down the thing that you want so badly because... I think that means there's a trust issue. You don't trust that God's good enough to mm. to do it and that he'll forget if you lay it down. Mm. He won't forget. Yeah. If I lay it down and trust him, it'll happen when he wants it. And when God gets the glory and does something, it out it supersedes anything that I could do, anything that a doctor could do for me, yeah. that a man could do for me. And that's what we want ultimately as believers is for God to get the glory. But trust me, it took me years to get to that space. Yeah. It's not easy. But I'm glad that I did because I'm free. Mm -hmm. I'm not chained to, I need to have a baby. It's going to define me. I want this so badly. It's like, okay, God, you know the desire of my heart. You yeah. gave me a good desire, but I'm entrusting you with it. That if I lay it down at your feet, I don't have to worry. I can just trust that you're going to do it in your time. Yeah. And I get to carry a lighter burden now. I have to share this. And it's so interesting that it's coming to me right now because we're actually, we, we just celebrated, you know, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the Jewish New Year was on Sunday. So now yes. we're in, um, according to Jewish tradition, the 10 days of all. And in the 10 days of all, it's all about reflecting forgiveness, forgiving your neighbor, your neighbor forgiving you, all of the reconciliation coming to a culmination, you know, and, and then yes. this, like God closes the book, you know. At, after these 10 days and decides your fate kind of in a sense that's like the Jewish tradition yeah. you know I think we can also like tag line a little note there that we know like God's not like a judgmental God where he's like your fate is you know I've closed the book and you're damned to hell right. like that's not what <laughs> that's about it's just like you know the blessing God's closing the book and saying you've reflected you've repented you've forgiven you've cleansed and purified your heart and yes. the, you know the closing of the book is like God's going to bless that. And um, during the 10 days of all last year is when, so this is the point I want to make is that in the laying down, in the letting go of all the things, that's truly when God can actually have his way. Because mm -hmm. I, I was so fighting for, because I come from where I, I have a revelation of what, I know what inner healing is. I know what it looks like to get healed of trauma supernaturally from God. I yes. can look at a person and recognize if they're carrying bitterness, if they're carrying trauma, um, because I've dealt with that myself. And the way that God works is that he like you have to let it go before he can actually do the work. And so for a year, I had fought for forgiveness. Like I knew I had to forgive. I knew I had to get rid of this bitterness. I knew I had to get rid of this just junk in my heart. But it, it's not like it just happens. It's not like it's magic. You know, as Christians, no. people just want to say, just lay it down at the cross and just move forward and move on. Uh, but that's mm -hmm. not the way it works. You know, it, it, it is a it is a battle. Sometimes God does come through miraculously and, and boom, it's gone. But yes. in this case and in most cases, it's not. It's it's exactly what you said. It's where that spiritual grit comes in. And this is the fight of which way are you going to go? 
And Mm -hmm. it was when I finally was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what they do or don't do. I was able to forgive from my heart, whether there was an apology or not an apology. I was able to like, if their name was mentioned around me, I no longer had this like inner turmoil going on of like, I don't even want to go there, you know, and, um, let that person go. Those people go. That was actually, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me the day before. And I heard him say that, that, you know, he was working on this person's heart. And I remember being in the shower and just kind of being like, well, okay, you know, okay, whatever. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know why you need to tell me that, but he did because the very next day is when this person came to my husband and I, and there was reconciliation and there was, um, you know, a new relationship formed and not that there weren't like hard conversations from that point forward. But to this day, you know, I can say, I, I love this person and, and we've reconciled things. Um, it's been a beautiful thing of reconciliation. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. But I had to let it go. I think that's so, yeah, it's the letting go. That's hard. And like you said, Sometimes it doesn't happen instantly. I find it doesn't always happen yeah. instantly. And it's a key. It's a daily, sometimes even hourly. Yeah. Oh, yes. Just yes. laying it at the mm-hmm. Lord's feet, crucifying my flesh and letting go of my desires yeah. for his in exchange. For- I kind of had to have something in my daily walk, exactly what you said. It was hourly. I mean, my mind was like, not okay. My mind was not okay. My mind yeah. was being tormented with all the things, the replays of the words that had been said to me. And yeah, my back pocket, finally, I kind of like had this thing. It was like, okay, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to repent and I'm going to release them. And I would have to do that. I would have to say those words. I would have to say their name. I would have to give them to God daily day I mean over and over and over again absolutely was like okay there is now release I can honestly say I can say their name I can I can visualize their faces and now I'm no longer triggered by that yes it's no longer your tormentor and you're literally was were captive by it and now you're free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed and that can be from anything like you said from trauma from trying to conceive to a traumatic birth, like all of those things can become our tormentors and our captors. Yeah. And we aren't called to be captive by anything but the love of exactly. God. So Jasmine, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. I think that this is really going to help some ladies on their healing journey. So Jasmine is going to come back and join us again and share more about her birth work and what she does as a doula and why I'm doulas are important, but she's also going to share with us. I'm so excited about this is common lies that she sees a lot of her clients, her pregnant mamas believe and how she helps them combat those lies, how she speaks truth into their life. And so we're going to tackle some of those lies because, you know, a lie is from the devil straight up. Like, like, let me, let's just say that out loud. Like, so many things that we believe mm-hmm. about birth is a straight up lie. And the only lie that there is, is coming from the devil. And so d- we can't be listening to that kind of stuff. And we're going to combat those lies with God's truth. Um, the truth of our physiological bodies, the truth of, you know, how God created us to birth our children, lies of 
hospital birth compared to home birth and all of those things, um, all the in-betweens. And so come back and listen on the next episode with Jasmine while she shares her heart about all of those things. Thank you so much for having me, Cassie. It's been an honor to be on your podcast Oh my gosh, I have enjoyed this so much. I think I have just received revitalization today. Me too. Iron sharpens iron. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Barefoot Parenting. If what you're doing works for you, is healthy for your family, and is growing you in the ways you need to grow, then it's time to step out of the feeling of guilt and shame and wear your Barefoot Mama badge proudly. Remember, Barefoot parents are doing things differently, so be encouraged today if you're feeling the pushback in your parenting style. You're doing something right. Thank you.